We're going to go to the book of Jude for our last time. And thank you for not cheering. Um, for our last time in Jude, I was a little bit sad uh, this week studying through the rest of it because I've really, really enjoyed the study in Jude. I, I've enjoyed it. Whether you've liked it or not, I liked it. So at least one person will give it five out of ten stars. So um, they, uh, uh, it's, I, I've enjoyed the study through the book of Jude. Uh, tonight, um, well, I was going to tell you where we're turning, uh, to which chapter. So Jude um, 1, I guess. Why don't we go ahead and read, uh, as we have the last three times, we'll read the book of Jude together. Starting in verse 1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them which, that believed not, and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally is brute beasts and those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots." Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. And their mouth uh, speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, not, uh, having not the spirit. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, 
pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the reading of your word. Bless it tonight as we study the last part of this book. In Christ's name, amen. So this is our conclusion. Um, We're going to do the last five verses, verse 20 through 25 of Jude, in a very brief recap of, um, of the book. The first week we looked at, basically we looked at who we are in Christ. Where it taught, we taught, it's, it, he said we were sanctified, which is to be set apart, which is to be declared holy and to be made holy. We are preserved or kept by Jesus Christ. That's, that's security and boldness um, so that we can preach his truth. Um, and we're called, sanctified and preserved so that we will do what we are called to do, which is to preach the gospel or spread the gospel. We close that message kind of tagging on to at the end, verse number two, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. That mercy being the upward look, it's what God has given to us and what God will give to anybody who will call on him. Um, peace, that inward look, every single person who trusted Jesus Christ as their savior has the Holy Spirit of God living in them and he brings peace. And, and, and we try to explain it to somebody. I've, I don't try to explain it to people because I know you can't. You just can't explain what peace is. Um, uh, that, that comes from God and it passes all understanding. And then you have love, which is the outward look. That's our motivation. That's our drive. When we're, when we're preaching the gospel, it ought to be motivated out of love, compassion. And then we have uh, next, we, we saw how we are in Christ. Um, uh, 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 we, I'm sorry. We talked next about how uh, we should contend for the faith. Um, and 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 a little bit of that, how we are in Christ and how we should be with the contention for the faith. It's not being contempt, uh, or not, not being contentious about the faith, but contending for the faith. And we talked about the fact you got to know it. You got to know doctrine if you're going to contend for it or if you're going to stand on truth. You got to know truth. Um, and, and of course, staying focused on the cause. And that's, that actually gets called back up tonight um, as we look through. Last week we covered the descriptions of the apostates and my goodness, what a bunch, um, what a bunch they are. The wickedness, the, 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 the sinfulness, the vile wretches that they are. When we go through and read about what they did in verse four and go all the way through, uh, through 16. And then even in verse number 18 or uh, 19, when it says that they're sensual, they have not the spirit. It's just, it's dark. You read through that, it's dark. It's depressing almost to read about what they do and how they are. And it sounds like they're in control. It sounds like they're in, in, in honestly today, don't we realize that those who are against us are loud. They're just, they're loud. Um, and, and their voices carry a, a long distance. And sometimes that can be, um, uh, uh, intimidating almost somebody, somebody gets loud. Um, I can encourage you in this, when somebody gets loud in their argument, or when somebody starts calling names, they feel like they're losing. So it is a good thing. Uh, they feel like they're not going to win. Um, but, uh, but we'll talk tonight about, about how to deal with that. Um, so we're going to focus on verses 20 through 25. See, that was brief. Verses 20 through 25. Point out three things from these verses. Um, 
verses 20 and 21, we're going to see this. We're going to see a change of focus. So look at verse 20, if you would. It, it's, it's but, but ye. So we're, we're looking, and it, it, it's, 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 Jude, it's Jude wanting to get our attention. It's, it's hey, we, we just focused on sanctified, preserved, called. We just looked at uh, contending for the faith and, and how we are to contend for the faith. And then we looked at, oh man, we looked at the apostates. We looked at what we're actually looking at. Who are these people that are going to creep into the church? Who are these people who are ravenous wolves? Who are these people who are sensual having not the spirit or who are clouds without water? Who are these people? And we read about all the descriptions of them and my goodness, it's dark. And it's almost like Jude, if, if you go on the trip to the Holy Land, uh, Yolanda, you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate this. Who else was in there? Was there? So Dixie, oh, Dixie and Georgia. Hey, they were forgot about that. Um, uh, uh, we, we would go to a place like Capernaum. Niall, our guide, would take us in and he would start. We had these little things in our ears, these little uh, uh, walkie-talkies, walkie-talkie thingies. That's what he called them uh, in our ears. And as we walked around, he had a microphone and we could hear him talking. And it was nice because as he was talking, we were able to kind of spread a little bit and look at some of the sites in Capernaum around where he was. And we would walk with him. And, and as he was a little bit ahead of us, we're hearing what he's talking about and then we can look at it ourselves. Then there came a time at the end of all that when he handed the mic over to our pastor who was then going to have us all sit down. And it was this. It was, hey, uh, uh, it, just like he says, but ye, but hey, let's pause on looking at Capernaum at the city. It's very nice to see the ruins. It's awesome to see the house where they say Peter lived, where Jesus would have lived in his earthly ministry. It's awesome. Now let's all come over here and let's focus in and gather because we're going to change our focus. That's, that's what happens in, in Jude here. We're going to change our focus. What he would do in the places like that is he would read some scripture to us. He would, he would talk to us about how, how can we apply what happened in Capernaum to our life as we stand in the city. And so what we're seeing here with Jude is he starts off with that, but ye. Hey, I need to get your attention um, is, is essentially what Jude's doing here, calling our attention to something a humorous story that I found, uh, uh, I don't know if it's true, but I wish it was. I hope it is. Uh, there was a farmer that sold a mule to a neighboring farmer. And the guy buying the mule was promised, this mule will do anything you tell it to do. It will listen and it will work exactly how you've told it to work. And that guy said, deal, I'll take it. So the next day he goes out to try to plow with this new mule plow mule. It won't plow. It won't pull. It won't do anything it's told to do. And he thought, well, goodness. So he went over to the farmer that sold him the mule and said, I need your help. The mule's not doing what you said it would do. Maybe I'm doing something. Can you help me? And so the farmer that sold the mule came over. He walked over to the fence line and picked up a large tree branch and knocked the mule on the side of the head, nearly knocking it over. And as the mule standing there starry eyed, he leaned down and whispered to the mule, now plow. And the mule started plowing. And the farmer said, I forgot to mention to you, in order for it to do what you tell it to do, you got to get its attention first. Uh, this, the, the, it, I don't know why I needed to tell you that story. I'm glad that when God wants to get our attention, he says, but ye beloved, and he doesn't use a tree branch. Um, I'm, just, I'm thankful he doesn't go that way. Um, but he's trying to get our attention. Uh, honestly, have you, ever, have you ever been reading something, even in your own Bible, you're reading something, and then something catches your attention, Some, something, something jars your cobwebs loose and, 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 oh, what was that that I just saw? And you back up and reread what you just saw because you weren't paying attention. He, but ye beloved. So he changes our, he's changing our focus here. 
And I like that because, because what we're about to start focusing on is, is good. It, all, the rest of this, all the rest of the book of Jude is positive, good stuff. And it's not ignoring and whatever. It's, hey, they're there and we're going to deal with them again in verses 22 and 23. But don't despair, but ye beloved. And that's that term in endearment again that he's already used, that beloved, um, uh, that Habibi uh, that I told you in, in Arabic that just means my love. It's, it's that, uh, which that's not what the word here beloved is, but it's that same sentiment in that culture of, of, of this is a term of endearment. I'm, I'm using this for somebody that I feel affection towards. And he's telling us, first of all, when we're changing our focus, so no longer focusing on the ravenous wolves. Now let's look here. And he says, first of all, build yourselves, build up yourselves on your most holy faith. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. He, he's, Jude says, so we've, we've seen that, we've looked at that, we've, we've, we've understood about them. Now let's focus on us. Let's, let's look at us. Let's focus on us. And we're going to see tonight several contrasts as we go through these verses between us what we should be focused on, what we are, what we should be versus the apostates. And we'll see a major stark contrast many different times, but we, he says, build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Build yourself up on the faith. Build yourself up on sound doctrine. Build your, your, you remember I used the counterfeit uh, illustration with bankers. They don't study counterfeit bills. What are we building ourselves up on? We're building ourselves up on the true right sound doctrine. Build yourselves up on it. He encourages us yet again to know what we believe so that we can contend for it. He goes right back to it. Build yourself up. Our, build a life. Our lives should be built. Build a life that's characterized by our surrender to God, His will, and His purpose. Uh, have a life that's built up on that purpose, that that's the characteristic of your life when somebody looks at you. They say, this is a person who has surrendered to God and his purpose and his will for their life, and that's what they want to do. Uh, Jefferson told me tonight on the way to church, um, I, he's talking about the shorts. I, I could hurt them because he wants a horse now. Um, I can just see it go into the glue factory. You know, three years after we've owned it, it's just not going to go well. That's all I'm going to say. But, but he, he wants a horse. And so he said tonight, and, and my, my dad ears, my pastor ears are listening to a little boy who said, I think God wants me to be a rancher, a farmer. I said, for what? For what purpose? I don't know. I just feel like that's what he wants me to do. And I said, okay, then you keep thinking about what God wants you to do and you be willing to do it, whatever it is. And so I thought, this is it. I'm, gonna, I'm bringing it home. It's going to be great. So I said, because we're not particularly cat people. I'm sorry. Sorry. We're not particularly cat people. Um, I mean, cats are fine if you cook it just right. But they, uh, <laughs> but uh, 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 <laughs> stop it. Just don't, don't say what you're thinking. Uh, Pastor lost half the church one of the times he made a joke about an animal one time. It, it was a joke. All right, please. It was a joke. Um, I said, Jefferson, if God, whatever he wants you to do, if God calls you to move to Brazil and be a cat herder, you should be willing to do that. And he said, do people actually herd cats? What would I do that for? And I'm like, ah, never mind. The point was lost. <sighs> Point lost. Um, 
he won that round of, of mental checkers, but I'll get him next time. Um, don't play Connect Four with your children because it really is demoralizing. Um, but that, I mean, he says build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Hey, surrender to God. What does he want you to do? But also, no sound doctrine. You're building yourself on a foundation that's been laid. Um, uh, not only are we supposed to do that, <clears throat> but it says we should be praying in the Holy Ghost. Build yourself, build up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. There's a lot of theologians out there. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of um, apologists. I've, I love reading material. I love watching their videos. I love listening to what they have to say. I'm not talking down on them, but not every single person in the world is called to be a great apologist, a theologian who, who brings their great arguments towards the apostates. That's not what we're, we're not called to do that and break apart every single imagination. If you watch some videos, you'll see some of the imaginations will get, will get cast down. They'll get broken. But here's the cool thing about the apostates. They're a moving target. I just, okay, so I just cast down this imagination or I just cast down this argument that they had. And guess what? They're just like gray hairs in your beard. You pull one and eight more will grow in their place. Like I can't. I, I, this is personal, I'm sorry, but like, it, it's, it's like pulling a gray hair. You're just going to get more. It's just going to grow more in, in their place. You, 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 we start working at doing nothing but study and counter. Again, it goes back to the counterfeit. Here's the deal. We're not called to use their weapon. Their weapon is the carnality of their mind and what they can imagine and what they can reason and how they can logically whatever. That's not what we're called to do. Are we supposed to know the faith? Absolutely. Should we be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the darts that he throws because he attacks our mind? So our mentality is important. But, but does, does, it is important to know our doctrine and to be able to stand against an attack of the doctrine, of our doctrine, of our faith. But we're not supposed to just argue. That's not what we're called to do. What are we called to do? We're called, we're called to pray. That's what he says here. Like, like, Here's, here's a statement. We, we've been told to watch and pray. What, what watching will do is it sights the enemy. We, can, we, we catch them. I know, okay, I know, I know this is the enemy. Or I know this, this is what's coming. Praying fights the enemy. Watching will sight them, but praying will fight them. That's how we fight the enemy, through prayer. Like asking, ask, do you think that the God of the universe is going to turn his church over and he's going to say, I want you guys to perpetuate. I want you to perpetuate what I have started, what I have founded, and I want you to keep my doctrine. And I want you to keep the faith and I want you to stand and contend for the faith, but I'm going to be out of this. So y'all just handle it on your own. You really think that's how he wants us to handle it? No, he wants us to involve him. Uh, the, the, the Bible talks a lot about prayer and it talks a lot about utterances, which we can't, we can't make that the Holy Spirit will utter for us within ourselves. There are times when we don't know what to say, and that usually what, what happens in those times is times of grief. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what to say. We're just silent, and the Holy Spirit will, utter, will give utterance for us. He will, he will, I'm not saying through us, but I'm saying he will, he will pray, and he will intercede for us for, with the Father. Um, uh, Spurgeon, Spurgeon spoke on prayer. He said, uh, he said this, he just, he, he, on the subject of prayer, shall I give you yet another reason why you should pray? I have preached my very heart out. I could not say any more than I have said. Will not your prayers accomplish that which my preaching fails to do? Is it not likely that the church has been putting forth its preaching hand, but not its praying hand? 
and he finishes it with this, oh dear friends, let us agonize in prayer. Charles Spurgeon begging his own church, the, what he is called the Prince of Preachers. I don't know who calls him that, but that's what I've heard he's been called. I don't know. Uh, but, but one of the greatest preachers um, in, uh, in his age, in his time, and he begged his church to pray. He said, we, we put our preaching, we put our preaching hand out too much. What, are we raising a praying hand to God? And then Billy Sunday said, if you're a stranger to prayer, you're a stranger to the greatest source of power known to human beings. Are we strangers to prayer? I mean, Jude says, build yourself up in the most holy faith. No doctrine. Second part, pray. Pray. Pray as though it depends on God. Pray. And, and as, as, as Spurgeon said, agonize in prayer. Uh, verse 21, and the same thing of changing our focus, he says, uh, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. To keep is, to, is to, to, to watch over, to keep an eye on. Keep an eye on yourselves that you are in the love of God. Um, two different directions we can go with this. Um, but I believe when we're looking here at keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy we, we, for the rest of the verse. I think this is less about keeping ourselves from the perils. I think that gets addressed later in this passage, it's less about keeping ourselves from the perils of sin and being compelled by their arguments. Like you keep yourself in love of God away from their, their sin and away from their arguments. And it's more about when we deal with the apostates, when we deal with somebody who is a rejecter and a denier and somebody, somebody who's heard, they've heard and they're turning and they're walking and they're pushing. We are prone to get bitter. We can become angry. And I believe when he says to keep ourselves in the love of God, I think it's about not allowing bitterness, dislike, hostility, which is a very natural thing to pop up in us, and anger to spring up in our hearts. Um, uh, I have the verse memorized. I do not have the, the, the address of it. But the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. It's, we're, we're called to reach people in the next verse. So I think he's telling us we better keep ourselves in the love of God. Be cautious because we are prone, my goodness are we prone, to allow our combat to overwhelm our compassion, which is really the thing we have to uh, 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 defend against. Keep yourselves in the love of God. And then I love the second part of this verse. I love all these verses. I'm going to say that over and over again. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus. It's another emphasis on our focus. Look for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, wait with a longing expectation. Looking for. Wait with a longing, an expectation of longing for the mercy, which I totally butchered last week. It's not getting what we deserve when it's in the power of the person's hand to give it. It's in his power to give us his justice, his, right, his, his righteous wrath and anger. It's in his power. And he says, no, I give you mercy. It's in my power and I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Man, I see a contrast here. Because this mercy is opposed to damnation. 
It's mercy as opposed to anger and hatred and, and vitriol that you'll get over here with these filthy dreamers who despise dominion, dominion. They defile the flesh and they speak evil of dignities. Like you, you see a contrast here, don't you? Uh, from, from what we are looking for, what we're living in, what we're surrounding ourselves with and what we're focusing on versus what they focus on. Um, and this is as good a place as any to do this. This is a little, uh, a little break um, mentally. Uh, not mentally. Keep focused. Don't lose your mental focus. Uh, verse number two, if you look back at it real quickly, verse two says, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. We find those three words, mercy, peace, love, right? Mercy, peace, and love. In verse 21, we see love, right? Keep yourselves in the love of God. In verse 21, also we see the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for peace, and I cannot wait to get to this verse, but we're not skipping, okay? But, but verse 24, when he says to present you faultless before the presence of his glory, faultless. We, when we are presented before his glory, we are faultless. There's no more peaceful feeling than that, to know that when you stand before God, the righteous judge, you'll be faultless. That's a beautiful picture of peace. Um, so that was a little side note. You're welcome. All right, now back to the notes. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then he finishes it up, unto eternal life. What is the ultimate mercy of Jesus Christ? Well, I thank God that when I read the Bible and see all the horrible, wicked, nasty things, not wicked, but all the, the horrible, nasty things, the judgment of God being poured out on this earth, then I ain't going to be here. That's merciful. I won't be here. I like pastor's uh, uh, illustration of uh, it's like getting married. And before you take your bride, you go and have her beaten real good before, before you have the wedding. Like that's, that's about akin to it. Um, uh, we're not going to be here for that. We get called away from that. And I like that. I like that picture of the mercy of Jesus Christ because it's a reminder of what we're supposed to look forward to. We look forward to the mercy of Jesus Christ. And that mercy of Jesus Christ that we're looking forward to ought to compel us because of the compassion for the lost to tell them of the mercy of Jesus Christ that they need. Um, but man, he's going to call us away before the judgment. Um, and it's kind of a call back to Enoch in verses 14 and 15, because he said, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all. Like, and, and to convince all, I'm going to try to quote it, but I'm not going to. Uh, like, like that's, uh, I haven't made this joke one time, George. Are you proud of me? Now I'm going to make it. Are you all ready? I love this joke. Um, at four weeks, I've waited. Uh, verse number 15 is the most ungodly verse in the entire Bible. Because it's like four or five times you find the word ungodly in there. Uh, but uh, but it's, that, it's, that, it's that Enoch saying, look, he's coming. And Enoch's pointing to the judgment of God. He will come with judgment. He will come with his iron fist. He will rule and he will reign and you will bow to him. So we're told to look to the mercy because that's what we've received already. Um, looking to, uh, for the mercy of Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. Uh, the second thing, verses 22 and 23, we're called to witness. We're, we're, so it's a change of focus. And now it's a call to witness. Verse 22, um, um, and of some have compassion, making a difference. I love that verse. Um, my uncle's church, you guys know uh, uh, Greater Portland. That's been, I don't know if it was from day one, but I know as long as I can remember, that's been the verse that they have emphasized at their church. Um, I, like I said, as long as I can remember about their church, uh, Greater Portland in, uh, in, in Portland. Um, and if some have compassion, making a difference. And their, and their motto or their theme of the church is making a difference. Um, uh, 
this is the place where our contrast with apostasy is going to be the most evident because we look at compassion. Now, you may be thinking, are these verses saying what I think they're saying? It seems to be saying something, and I'm pretty sure that what they're saying is what they're saying, and I want to make sure, because these people are vile, they're wicked, these people are awful. God's judgment is coming. Is that like, yes, they are vile, they are wicked. Yes, yes, they're awful. Yes, God's judgment is coming. But yeah, these verses say what you think they say. Of some have compassion making a difference. The the verses are saying, this is what the verses are saying, if there's breath in the body, there is hope for the soul. If there's breath in a body, then there is hope for a soul. There is not a person on this planet that does not have at least the ability to turn and come back to Jesus Christ. Turn and ask God for his favor. There's not a single person that God would reject and turn away. I've had this conversation in my classes a lot, and a lot of kids have a little bit of a problem with it. If Adolf Hitler had accepted Jesus Christ in the bunker before he allegedly took his life, um, would God have saved him? I'll ask them that. Would God have saved him? And usually I get like, this is a trick question. He's trying to trick us. No, no, God would not save him. And I'm like, yes, God would save him. But he, I don't care. It's not, it's not my heaven. It's, it's, not, it's not my mercy to give. It's not my grace to give. It's not my salvation to give. When Jesus Christ says he died for every single person, it means he died for every single person. His blood was shed for everybody. And until you have no life left in your body, there's still hope for you. Until you have no more life, there is still hope for that soul. So these verses are saying exactly what it seems like they're saying. We're supposed to witness. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied. And then, and then it says, and of some have compassion, making a difference. Of some, we can have compassion. And just our compassion and our, and our, 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 our faithful witness makes a difference. It makes a difference in them. How does it make a difference? They were so far gone. I don't know how it makes a difference, but it says of some have compassion, making a difference. Um, These two verses stand in a contrast to one another. If we read them again, of some have compassion, making a difference. And notice it doesn't say but, it says and. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. We're, we're almost given, and I'm not going to emphasize heavily two major separate ways of, of looking at verse 23, but we're almost looking at two separate approaches to reaching somebody. Have you, have you heard this before? So verse 22, of some have compassion. When we, when we witness to some people and we tell them of the love of God, uh, the, the loving kindness of God, we tell them about the mercy that is offered to uh, unrighteous sinners and 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 like like a student uh, uh, a month and a half ago we were talking about God and we were talking about how perfect and holy and righteous He is and how that even with His perfection and His holiness and His righteousness He looks at a sinner like me and He looks at a sinner like you and it doesn't matter He loves us He will forgive you and, and I'm, I'm talking to Him and I'm, I'm 
I'm keeping it together better than I am now. And because a kid said, but what, I mean, what if somebody just has been uh, not good? I said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just, just turn to him. And, and I found later that she, she, had, she went down and was in the office talking with somebody weeping at the love of God, at the fact that he would love them. Hey, of some have compassion. Of some have compassion, making a difference. Um, emphasize that he loves them. We're telling them the truth, because I don't think, this is, where, this is where I come back to that, I don't think, I don't think that when we look at verse 22, we say we're supposed to say to some people, God loves you, hey, God loves you. And then the next person, we say, uh, God's going to kill you. <laughs> uh, okay, how about this? I, I, I have heard this scenario, but I don't think it ever has played out, and I hope it hasn't. Um, we'll go to the door, and you talk first. And if they seem like they're rejecting, we'll pull out a lighter and we'll ask them to hold their hand over the lighter flame. We'll say, do you like the pain of the fire? Because one day, no, <laughs> no, no. Um, one of the greatest acts of compassion that we can give to somebody is we can look at them and we can tell them, if you've ever sinned, if you've ever sinned, you have offended a righteous and holy God, and he will judge that. Your, your, your wages, your payment will be eternal hell, but he loved you enough, and he commended his love towards you uh, uh, that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. That is compassion making a difference. It's not that you don't tell them about what will happen to them if they don't trust Christ. So, so with that thought in mind, when we read verse 23, we have to notice, verse 22, it says, of some have compassion. Who's supposed to have compassion, them or us? Okay, of, uh, and others save with fear. Who's supposed to have fear? Us. Like, us. And some save with fear. This, this, verse 22 says, some people, when we reach out with the compassionate message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, It'll make a difference. Some, you may, you may have to continue trying to convince, but, but be careful. Be careful. Fear, fear here, fear here is like, is like, a, like, a, like a, a terror. Say with fear. And then what, what does it say? Pulling them out of the fire. Pulling, pulling them out, that is rapture talk. When Philip was with the Ethiopian eunuch and in the book of, book of Acts, and, and he said, well, you know, what hinders me from being baptized, and paraphrasing, and, and Philip says, if you believe, and he said, I do believe, and he baptized him. He said, when they came up out of the water that, that Philip was caught up or called away, can't remember the exact wording, but it's the same language. It's the same word, actually, being used. We're talking about there's a sense of urgency. When, when, we're, when we're trying with these people, we have to be trepidatious. We have to be cautious. Because we're wading into stuff now. We have to be careful. And so it says, pull them out of the fire. That's a proximity. Pull them out of the fire. The word fire here can literally mean a fire, and it can also be a figurative. I mean, it's a picture of hell, is it not? Pulling them out of the fire. Fire is used also here when it talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And it talks about the, the fire, vengeance of eternal fire in verse 7. So, so the, the picture here is these people, hmm, they still need Jesus. Like the, they still need Jesus, but be careful. And it says, this, the, the, the last part of the verse, hating, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Approach with caution. Realize fire being involved, there's a danger involved. Realize that there's an urgency involved. But approach with caution and be careful. And I think this last part of this verse, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh, hating is, is that detesting, detesting even the garment that's spotted by the flesh. You know what the flesh is? Human nature in opposition to God. What are these people all about? Opposition to God and living in human nature. What they know naturally is brute beast and those things, right? So, so these people, what we're cautioned about, how about 1 Timothy 3.7 speaks about somebody who would be a bishop, but 1 Timothy 3.7 says, moreover, he must have good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and snare of the devil. We gotta be careful as Christians. We win the lost, win the lost, go out and try to win them. Try, try to show them the love of God. Try to win them with the compassion of Jesus Christ by sharing the gospel to them. The kindest thing you can ever do to somebody is share the gospel with them. But be careful. Um, and we, we won't go down this rabbit trail, but, but, but I've, I've heard of, of even people in ministry, but, but Christians saying, uh, well, it's, it kind of goes back to that counterfeit study thing. I, I got to know what, I got to know what I'm dealing with. No, you don't. You don't need to know what you're dealing with. It's the garment spotted by the flesh. It's fire. <laughs> be careful. Um, my goodness, be cautious. Have compassion. Others save with fear. Realize, realize the danger and what's at play here. Uh, verse 24 and 25, and we're going to close. Verse 24 says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you from, uh, faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. There's almost a sigh of relief in Jude and collectively with all of us too, right? Because we're down to the last verses. Okay, thank you for not... Um, there's almost a sigh of relief. Jude, okay, can I, can I read Jude's mind for a second, which I'm not capable of doing? All right, we're going to stop looking at the apostates now. We're going to stop looking at you and me now. Now unto him. We're going to focus. Let's, let's really turn our attention where it belongs. And he says, let's not forget. Let's just look at him. Look at the main thing. It says he's able to keep us from falling. Falling is a trip or a stumble. It's like we know he's able to keep us from falling because he's, he saved us from perishing. But he's able to keep us from stumbling. He's able to keep us from tripping up in our walk. The, here's the thing with that though. He is able, but we must avail ourselves to that power. Avail ourselves of that power to use proper English. He is able to keep us from falling. That's the beauty of sanctification. As we surrender to him and we walk circumspectly and we follow every single step of his path, we will not stumble. We will not fall. 
as we stay surrendered, we will avail ourselves of his power to keep us from stumbling. Man, we're prone to wander. And I, I, wish, I wish I would avail myself of that power more. I think we all could use a little bit more of availing ourselves of that power that he has given to us. He is able to keep us from falling. And I love the second part of this verse. I told you I love them all, but and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. There's exceeding joy when we're presented into his presence. Do you know why? Just think about the terror of standing before God. Do you, you realize when it says before his presence, it, it literally means to stand before him, to stand before God as judge. It's like stepping up to the bar. We're going to be presented before his presence to step up to the bar. Why is there exceeding joy? It's that one beautiful word, faultless. He'll present us faultless. He'll take, he'll take you personally and you will be presented before the bar of the God, the righteous judge, and you'll be faultless. Translated another word in a different place in, in, in the King James, blameless. What fault is there with him? There is one. What is he blamed of? Nothing. How about that? Colossians 1.22 says, In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. In his sight. Holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. Can we just, like, just take a second and think about that. That when you're, when you're, because we're all going to be presented before his presence. We will all stand before the bar of God the righteous judge, and he will look and say, blameless, 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 faultless, unreprovable, holy, my child. Like, how amazing is that? That, that when the day comes, we'll be holy in his sight. It's exceeding joy. That's, that we're going to be presented before his presence but it's, it says the presence of his glory. That's him in his most exalted state. When Isaiah saw him in his most exalted state, he said, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. We're going to stand in his most exalted state. We'll be bowing down. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. But he'll point us and say, you're faultless. How beautiful. Jude's calling our mind. Now we're talking about apostates and we're talking about, but now we're looking in verse 24. He's going to present you faultless. How beautiful. When it talks about exceeding joy, <clears throat> Luke 1, 14 and 44, both times they're references to Jesus Christ's announcement, the announcement of Jesus, the baby, being uh, put in Mary's womb. And it, both times it says there's exceeding joy. <clears throat> and one of the times it's Elizabeth saying, when you came up and the ba- you know, told the baby, the baby and me flipped with exceeding joy. That's that. That's that's exuberance. How how exciting it's going to be. How joyful of an occasion it's going to be when we stand in His presence. Now, verse twenty-five: To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Before we focus on this last verse, I want to look at some. Con- we're not going to look at them long. Just I'm going to point out five words of contrast. He's wise. That's a contrast with the rest of this book. Glory, glory, 
majesty, dominion, power, clouds without water, carried about of the winds. No, power. Um, this verse brings my mind to so many things. It's referred to a lot of times as a doxology. A doxology is, is a formula for praise of God. So a formula for praise would be a doxology, which we absolutely have here at the end of the book of Jude. He focuses a, on a doxology. Now, if you have your Bible in Jude, you can just flip a couple of pages to Revelation chapter 4. I want to call our minds, because he says, he says, he says uh, um, uh, 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 unto him that is able. So it's like, stop looking at them, stop looking at you, look up to him. So let's go into the throne room for a second. Let's see what it looks like up there. What's going on, like right now, when we started however many minutes ago, tomorrow morning, what's happening in the throne room right now? In the four beasts, chapter four, verse eight, Revelation, and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him and they were full of eyes within and they rest not day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when they get to the end of the first verse, they repeat it. Night and day, they never stop. Over and over and over again. Fourteen words. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Look back at Jude. Jude's changing the subject. So we're going to change our subject and we're going to focus. The impetus of this very last verse. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and ever. And then he closes it with that. Amen. I agree. Um, we talked a little bit about prayer earlier in this message. We know prayer accesses the power of God. It, it, it also lends itself to worship and praise. Pr prayer has an aspect of worship and praise. If we look at the model prayer that Jesus gave to us, the first thing we do is we hallow his name, right? Hallowed, hallowed or hallowed, if you're singing the song, be thy name. And we're, we're honoring and praising. And I heard this, I can't remember if I heard or read this, but it, it's in my brain. Not long ago, that the thought that in Revelation 4, 8, it says there's 14 words on repeat in heaven around the throne of God. Just, just, in fact, when, when, when in the Jewish language, when you say a word twice, because they don't have like adjectives, so they'll just say uh, when somebody's uh, uh, dead for real, it's dead, dead. Um, holy, holy, holy. Well, you can say three times. He's so holy, you got to say it three times. Holy, holy, holy. Fourteen words in Revelation chapter 4 are spoken around the throne. In Jude 25, it's 19 words if you count the word amen. Nineteen words that Jude uses for his doxology of God. Jude got caught up in the simplicity and the profundity of worshiping God as he is and for who he is. 
And it ought to be our hearts cry to do the same thing. I, I, like this, this was the challenge that I, I think I read this. It's the challenge was, if you had 14 words right now, you were limited to 14 words to honor and praise him, what would you use? What would you say? You're standing, you're standing before him right now. What would you say to him? What would your praise be? What would your words of worship be? Because I can tell you right now, I probably leave off most of the earthly things. Thankful for the shoes I've got. I am thankful for my shoes. But what about worshiping him, praising him? I mean, how about to the only wise God, our Savior? I mean, he, he, Jude cheated, so we can too. Use more than 14, but he says, be glory. Glory is a splendor and a brightness. And then, and then he says, majesty. Majesty is, 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 we'll talk about the majestic mountains. Majesty is, is, is divine greatness. Divine greatness. Dominion. Dominion. He's got strength and might. And then it follows it up with his power. His power is his authority. None of these things can be challenged. It just says both now and ever. Amen. Well, what, what more can we say to this? We have, we have Jude's beautiful doxology where he turns our attention away from all of it. And he says, let's just, fo- let's just focus on the really important thing. Um, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion, power, both now and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for your word. I pray this was helpful. I pray that, uh, that, that I got out of the way enough so you could speak through your word tonight. Thank you for what studying Jude has meant to me. I pray that you would bless this church. Thank you for, thank you for the um, pacemaker surgery with Pastor. I thank you for the way that it's gone, and I thank you for the way he's recovering from it. I pray that you would bless um, Cindy, Lord, in a special way tonight. Thank you for your peace and your comfort that you've given her already. Um, I pray that you would bless us as we go our way um, and come again on Sunday morning in Christ's name. Amen.